Hey friends and story seekers, welcome to Seeking Stories, where we unlock the secrets of your favorite books and movies, and welcome to episode seven of the Seeking Story Story Journal. If you're watching this episode on YouTube, know this episode is also available on various podcasting platforms and vice versa for my friends listening through the podcast. I'm trying to make uh, this kind of journey as accessible to you guys as possible, regardless of whether you're at home or on the go. Uh, but regardless, today I want to jump into one of my favorite books that I haven't read in a while, but it's kind of timely considering 2020, and that is Ted Decker's The Circle Trilogy. It is a story about basically <laughs> a couple things. It's about defeating a virus, which is you know kind of why I chuckled a bit a second ago, ironically. Um, but it is a fantastic story about this uh, character who um, lives in the modern world. Um, the story is set around the early 2000s. And he basically um, gets knocked in the head, for lack of a better uh, description. It's a little bit more in, in depth than that, but, you know, I don't want to spoil it for you. And when he, you know, gets knocked in the head and goes unconscious, he wakes up in another world. It is like a version of Earth, like thousands of years in the future, um, in almost like a fantasy-esque setting. And Earth, the Earth that he knows in the early 2000s is known as Earth's histories. <clears throat> and the interesting thing is that when he falls asleep in that world, he wakes up in our world. And when he falls asleep in our world, he wakes up in that world. And on and on and on and on and on throughout the story. And he becomes a, a pivotal part in uh, really trying to save both worlds. And on Earth, he's trying to stop a uh, kind of like a, a biological uh, weapon um, before it is able to really you know destroy society. Um, and then he's trying to also save the world and the other world in the future, which feels like the past, but I don't want to spoil it for you guys, you know, too much there. Um, it is technically a trilogy. He did come out with a sequel slash prequel, um, uh, a few years after, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, he, he wrote the series, uh, but I think the first three of the trilogy is standalone in and of itself. There are actually quite a few spinoffs to the series, um, there's, uh, like some kind of like young adult books and there's actually a couple of different, like quasi sequel stories that kind of take place with elements of that world. Um, but as, as it stands, the trilogy black, red, and white is known as the circle trilogy. And for many Ted Decker fans, including myself, it is considered Ted Decker's magnum opus. I feel like many, many writers, regardless of what genre they write in, get to a point where they just write like an epic series or they try to you know we think of stephen king trying to write you know his uh his dark tower series the gunslinger um and there, there's so many writers not all of course but many who try their hand at you know epic fantasy and this is as close as ted decker has gotten to to epic fantasy i wouldn't quite 100 label it that um but it's it's pretty close um, but one of the things I love about his stories, Ted Decker's stories, um, is how he's able to engage his audience right from the beginning and also just kind of set the tone of his story, set up characters, set up plot by doing the old adage of showing and not telling. Um, and what I'm about to describe is a little bit of telling in the traditional sense of, you know, stories in, in books, particularly, whereas the author describes a little bit about the characters. Um, that's, you know, it's a pretty common technique amongst, you know, writers, you know, we'll say, well, this, this character is like this. Um, but instead of saying, you know, a character is evil, maybe the author can give us uh, a little moment showing him that, or conversely, what Ted Decker does is he gives us a few lines of description that implies such, uh, and it does it in a much more powerful way. And I think it's one of the reasons why it hooks the audiences so much. 
So, for example, this is literally the first the first page of the book. It is in Switzerland, according to the header, and it says Carlos Missirian was his name, one of his many names, and that automatically sticks out to me is someone who's probably in some sort of underground. He is probably a spy or an assassin or someone who does nefarious things, possibly. So one of his many names, born in Cyprus. Okay, maybe we don't really need to know he's born in Cyprus, but hold on a second. That's important. The man who sat at the opposite end of the long dining table, slowly cutting into a thick red steak was Valborg Svensson, one of his many names. Or maybe I should say one of his many names. I know some people might get upset because I punched a pronoun, but we'll we'll, we'll forgive myself for a second. Um, so you know you have that uh, symmetry there. One of his many names. Stop. Born in hell. And I thought that was just a great way to start the story. You have you're given two characters who, within the first few sentences, you realize that they're probably up to no good. By that whole you know adage of one of their many names give the birthplace of one character to kind of set up the, it's not a joke by any means, but you know, a lot of times in jokes you hear, you know, the setup. In this case, it's to set up the, the payoff of the second character who, you know, is, you know, obviously they're, they're kidding, no one's born in hell, but that idea that someone is so evil that they're considered born in hell. And I thought that was just a, a great way to do a telling um, in a way that is almost as powerful as a showing. Um, because even though it's true that it's much more powerful to show and not tell, you can't always do that. Sometimes you have to tell. But doing something like this where it's creative and it gives us a little bit of a different perspective on a perspective that we're used to, you know, hearing you know, authors say, you know, this guy is just evil. Yeah. Most characters have a, you know, most stories have characters who are evil. Why is this one any different? But explaining it in those terms makes it so much more powerful in our minds because we can start conjuring uh, things because we've heard it told in a little bit of a different way. Um, the other thing I want to talk about about the story is you know right at the end of the um, the chat the the prologue. This is the prologue. So you know if you're into you know prologues not being spoiled, you might not want to watch watch the rest of this video. Um, but if you don't care about prologues being spoiled, you know okay carry on as is. <laughs> Um, but one of the things they're talking about these two characters is that they're they're trying to find this this fencing character has been trying to find some sort of um, kind of a uh, some sort of medical thing like a virus uh, that excuse my laugh, lack of medical terminology but something like a virus that he can weaponize and use to hold the world at ransom and he has found out about this particular strain called the Rayzone strain, and it was previously examined by him and his cronies and was determined that it didn't really hold much value. But recently, information has come up that a man claiming that he found this information from a dream from talking bats uh, has told um, this company that, no, this virus is actually highly lethal at certain temperatures, and once it's airborne, it will basically kill all of civilization. And the other character, you know, his kind of sidekick is like, well, how do you know this is actually, you know, a thing? I, I'm really a guy who's using dreams to find out information. Do you do you believe this? And the guy's like, I, I have my reasons for, for believing him. And the other character is like, well, this guy is so like down to earth. And if he actually says he has reasons, maybe I'll, I'll go along with it. Um, all that to say, he's setting they're setting up this character named Thomas Hunter, who they name, who apparently has some information they that they want why does he know about this you know this particular strain how does he know these things and is there anything else that he knows 
Um, and the prologue ends with, you will learn by whatever means necessary, everything Thomas Hunter knows, and then you will kill him. End of prologue. And then chapter one is we're literally introduced to the protagonist, Thomas Hunter, and the first line of the story. And I think that's so great because you're automatically, you're given this character who, um, well, let me say this first. Uh, before that, it says one day earlier. So one day before that kind of event in Switzerland where you meet these two villainous characters, that's where we kind of, you know, flash back to. Um, I think if Ted Decker had started the story just with Thomas Hunter, you know, it would have been fine. He's he's written as an interesting character that a lot of people uh, can relate to. But how do you make it so that everyone gets in interested and invested in the story of Thomas Hunter? And I think it's what Ted Decker did in the prologue. He said it a day in the future and said that this character, you know, all of a sudden is having dreams about things he shouldn't know about. And he has information and we need to find him and we need to kill him. So the stakes are already set before we, or sorry, before Thomas Hunter uh, has any idea of what's going on in the story, before we really even know what's going on in the story. And um, not only that, but we are given like a sense of foreboding for him. You, we already feel scared for him, this character we don't even know, because we know that pretty soon he's going to be on the run for his life. Um, but there's also that mystery there of how does this character know things he should know about through dreams? So it's just a great way that Ted Decker is able to grab onto his audience by grabbing onto the main character by setting up mystery, suspense, intention before we even meet the main character through the eyes of two other villainous characters who are also interesting. So that is just a great, I think, storytelling technique for you know anyone who's writing stories. Make us interested in the main character before we know who the main character is. Like, sign me up. Yes, please. Um, so yeah, I, I highly, highly recommend Ted Decker's Circle Trilogy, Black, Red, White. Um, they're pretty easy reads. Um, they're, they're not short reads, but I mean, they're shorter than a Sanderson novel. Um, probably shorter than three Sanderson novels. Um, yeah, I would recommend reading Black, Red, and White. Uh, and if you love the series, you know, there's a, a bunch of other, like I said before, spinoff series, um, prequel sequels you can get into. But um, I think it's a story that is is very, very well told. And I'd love to do some more, some more videos about it. Um, so anyway, I'd love to hear your thoughts below. Um, I, a lot of my friends have never read this trilogy, but have heard of it. Um, a few of my friends have just started reading it and some ha have read it. Um, I guess I just covered everyone there. People who might not want to read it. Maybe I didn't cover you guys. Uh, but I want to know if you've read the story, let me know in the thoughts in the comments below what your thoughts are. And if you haven't read it, let me know what you're waiting for. I always love reading you guys' comments and engaging in the discussion that we have. Um, so I look forward to reading them. And until next time, go seek some stories. <laughs>